In Shmuel, we were holding at the end of Perak Yud that Shmuel had introduced Shaul as the king. And we see Shaul decided to hide. And after there was a lottery and Shaul had been chosen as the king, so they looked to see where he was and he was Nechba Lakaidim, which we said obviously meant he knew something already, otherwise, why would he hide? And uh, nevertheless, he had to be found. We're holding a pasuk of Gimel by Yerutzel, so people ran by Yikachomisham. They took him from where he was, his hiding place. By Yatsa, Yisachom, they stood in between people, and by Yigva, the Parahom Yisachom Emara. His head and shoulders taller than everyone else was a sign that he was like meant to be above everyone else. By Yom Shmuel, a Parahom, and therefore Shmuel says to the people, "Are Yisim Hashem Bachar by Hashem? Have you seen the person Hashem?" Chosen, ki ein kumol b'chadam. And someone who's unique, is uh, someone who's different to everybody else. Vayariu chadam, everybody applauds. Vayayim lechiyamel. There's a acceptance of Shaul as the king. Shaul, so to speak, if they wanted, they got, they were given. There's another pshat which is brought in the parashim when it says that Shaul is nech ba'lakele. In the parashim, most of them explain literally. And that is that he was hiding away that they wouldn't find him. And we asked last time that what would be the point of doing that? So obviously, if there was a girl and, and he knew he was going to be chosen, so what did he gain by hiding? There is another chat here as well. And that uh, with Nechbar al-Kalim doesn't mean that he was physically hiding behind some pots, but rather the Kalim are referred to the big day coin God, what called the clear Kalim of the coin. And Nechbar al-Kalim means after he was chosen by lottery, so Shaul didn't want to learn the lottery. So he said, like, uh, he wanted to, like, what was the Rehutim said? And therefore he was waiting for a, a second affirmation, not just, not just the fact that it came out of the lottery like that, but it was verified by the Rehutim, which was the way other things were done. We learned that when Yeshua gave out Klai Yisrael uh, to the different Shvatim, he apportioned the Eretz Yisrael. So then it was done both by lottery and afterwards verified by the Rehutim, both together. And therefore Shah also wanted those verified, wouldn't, this is the lottery is conclusive. A lottery has to fall on somebody, and the fact that it was then independently verified, both by Novi Shmuel and also by the Rambam, it was something which would make Israel accept more that he had been chosen. Okay, so that's the first one. Shmuel is chosen, and we see that Shmuel presents him as somebody Shmuel doesn't say in what way and in fact, we find that when people who saw Shaul beforehand, they were surprised to see Shaul as a Novi. They didn't, they didn't think of him as somebody in that way, that was somebody unique or different to everybody else, that uh, they would naturally look up to. And therefore, we're going to see that even though Shmuel presents him like that, it wasn't immediately accepted by Kaya So the Basak says, Vayidav Shmuel Elaam Esmeshul Tamilecha. Shmuel, having now appointed Shaul as a king, so he reminds the people the laws of the king. He's already told them previously that the right the king has. So Shmuel now affirms that Shaul has those rights. A of a sefer, he writes it down. That's uh, something which is, can be proven, it's something which is, has been, can be kept as evidence. And they leave it in front of Hashem, because wherever the iron was. So Shmuel's now done his job. The job was to appoint the king, and now, the, as far as he's concerned, he's disposed. He's presented them with their king. 
except what we expect is that the king would remain and uh, take, take the reins now. He's been appointed. There's his official coronation, if one wants to call it that, in front of all the people. Now he wants them to, he wants them to be in charge. That's not what happens. Step into the roles. Step into the role, exactly. That's not what happens. She also goes home like everybody else. And uh, this is already surprising. Now, if you've been appointed as the king, and everyone's accepted you as the king, so why are you like leaving... Uh, Did anybody offer him a palace? I'm saying, was there any... <laughs> he should have enforced his, his leadership, whatever, whatever it was going like, to be. Like a tax or something? Yeah. Like putting together a cabinet. Something, yeah. Choosing people, making yeah. rules, whatever it is. <clears throat> doing something that, uh, to exercise his duties as a king, which he didn't do. But those people who respected the Dvar Hashem, and therefore they accepted that Hashem had chosen him as a king, so they, they followed him. It was like an entourage. But Ashal, from his point of view, didn't do anything to exercise royalty. And therefore, So the Bnei B'liyal always talk about the, the lower element of Ta Israel, and they look at Shaul and they said, this person is not going to be the one who's going to save us. By Yisro, they insulted him, but and they didn't pay tribute to him. In other words, what's normally done is that people uh, show that they accept the king; they they wouldn't do that. And Shaul didn't respond. Now, what was the reason why this Nebliyal wouldn't accept him? So there's two answers given. The one is because they didn't see in Shaul the nature that they expected the king to have. They wanted someone who's going to be strong and a decisive leader. And take the subject, the reins of power. And see, Shaul, he doesn't care he was running away from it, he doesn't assert himself, and he goes home like everybody else. He said, That's not the way we expected the king to be. And uh, those who say that, uh, this is what Malvin says, that really they'd ask for a king of Haragoy. They thought that the king would be somebody who would be less of a tzaddik and more of a, you know, more of a, 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 a military leader, or whatever it's going to be. And then they saw that Shaul appoints, Shmuel appoints him as somebody who is Bechir Hashem. Shmuel is a big Tzadik, and that's the king. Oh, he's the biggest Tzadik. That isn't what they were looking for. And therefore they said, he's not going to, he, that wasn't the king we wanted. Now, it's brought that Shaul didn't respond. They didn't do anything. They insulted him. And it was like he kept quiet, didn't respond. Was it right or was it wrong? So we know that there's a din that Melech Shemachal, Kvoida, and Kvoida Machal. The king is not allowed to or God is covered, it's the lack of Kvot Shemayim. And if that's the case, the Gemara finds fault to an extent of Shaul, that he didn't, he didn't respond, he didn't act the way a king was meant to act. And the question is, what's, what, what, what is the din of a king? What's a king meant to do when somebody flaunts his authority or doesn't respect him? Mm-hmm. So there's a Rambam. The Rambam writes in, uh, in Shaitim, he talks about the king, the din of the king. The Rambam writes that the din of Moab Malchus, which means the king who decides somebody is threatening his throne, um, so he has the rishus to kill him. The king is allowed to kill him. And Mashmas the Rambam is that it's not a chiyum on the king to kill somebody, but he has he's allowed to. So he has rishus, he has permission to kill somebody who feels a threat, but it doesn't seem like it's somebody who's something he's mechuyev to do. So what does it mean in Kavimah? And that's okay. So they ask the question. So why would the Chazal have a Tainal and Shaul, he didn't do anything in a case where, according to Rambam, it's, it's optional. It's Rishos. So the number of answers given. One of the answers given, I think, is by the Chidah. And he says is that the Rambam said, it's Rishos if you want to kill him. The king has to do something. But to go as far as killing somebody, that's an ultimate punishment. 
There could be other things the king can do. And if that's the case, so then Shaul was, wasn't necessarily meant to kill these people, but what Shaul was meant to do was react somehow. You should have punished them, you should have attacked them maybe, done something. A king, uh, maybe, a king has to assert, uh, assert his authority. Uh, how far can it go? The Raman says that he had even as much to kill. But it doesn't mean that he has to kill. He can choose other ways to punish as well. And the Shaul's commander shouldn't do anything. That's the, the one Mahalach which is brought down. Where the Mahalach brought down is that what was from Shaul's point of view, what was his reasoning why he didn't do anything? So uh, we find a similar story at the beginning of David and reign. David had been appointed a king by Shmuel and Abi, but Shaul was still the king at that stage, and therefore, even though David had been anointed, no one, not everybody knew that he was a king. And at a certain stage, uh, during David's wandering, he met somebody called Novel Akarmeli, and he asked Novel to send food for his, his people. And Novel sends him a very, so to speak, uh, dis- like a very rude and uh, disdainful reply, which David felt was uh, being married to him as a king. And he tells his people to, like he says, take your swords, we're going to kill Novel Akarmeli and his whole family. And what, on what basis could he kill Novel Akarmeli for insulting him? He held it to the din of Melech and uh, married Ramachas. Somebody insults the king. He's in his, within his prerogative to kill him. So the Gemara says that Abigail, Novel's wife, races off to preempt it. And she tells him that he, you don't have the din of the Melech yet. Because even though you're anointed by Shmuel, being as you haven't been accepted by Kali Shmuel's Melech, that doesn't yet give you the rights to act as a Melech. And David tells her, Brucha Atu, Brucha Taimech, he accepts that. And therefore, it seems like he accepted her halachic argument. It wasn't just he accepted the fact that she brought him food, but she accepted the halachic argument as well. And that is that a king only has the right to exercise his, so to speak, his authority as a king once he's been accepted by Kali Shmuel. And this is an interesting point. Because the person discussed this idea. And that is, even if somebody is a king, if let's say the entire nation decides that they're rebelling against the king, does it still have the dinner of the king? Is the dinner of the king dependent on the acceptance of the nation, or is it something independent of the acceptance of the nation? And therefore, what she told David is that you haven't been accepted by Kali Yisrael. So even though Hashem has appointed you as a king, you can't yet exercise those rights as a king. And if that's the case, the Mephoshim wants to say that maybe the same thing happened here by Shal. That had everybody accepted Shal at the beginning, and then afterwards someone who rebelled against him, then he would have felt that. I've been accepted by Kali Yisrael, and I have the right to exercise my authority as a king. Whereas being as from the, uh, these people, Lechatechila didn't accept him. So he felt he wasn't accepted by Kali Yisrael. And if that's the case, he felt he's not yet Mechuyif to uh, exercise, so to speak, the, or the rights of the king. So, which is why he went on like everybody else. He didn't, uh, he didn't feel he'd been accepted by everybody, and therefore he didn't feel that, that uh, he was Mechuyif to act as a king. Which is a question. Because Lechairah. When it comes to accepting somebody as a leader, uh, we don't find, I mean, I'm bringing you a mahalach that's brought in the him, but I'm asking a question on it. It's not that simple. If, like in the case of David, nobody knew he was a king, and was kept quiet, and Shmuel and Avi, uh, came like, under a re- pretense of bringing a carbon to Bethlehem, and in the confines of Yeshua's house, poured oil over his head, no one knew about that. And if that's the case, then Abigail was quite right. And no one knew David was a king, definitely no one treated him as a king. And that's the case. He can't claim he's a dinner of whoever disobeys him as a dinner of Yimar Ramachas. Whereas when it came to Shaul, most Kaiyaswa did accept him. And the Rabbi said he's the king. 
There were a few, they, yeah, there were these like kind of fringe elements of society who were scornful of him. But the most, most of Kaddish accepted him. And therefore to say that a, a king needs 100%, so to speak, you know, popularity ratings. It's I don't know if king, Exactly, I don't know if king ever had that. The, 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 so that's the case. The Chayur we're going to say, that if most of Kaddish accepted the king, is then of a king. So to say that because not everybody accepted him, doesn't have the dinner of the king, is a very difficult thing to say. Okay, that's the second chat. There's a third Mahalach given you also, and that's a, a friendly master question. It says, Vayahi kemacharish. So he was like someone who, like somebody who was quiet. I should have just said, right? he was macharish, he was quiet. What does it mean he was like somebody who was quiet? It's like, it's what's it comparing him to? So, the Chidah talks about this, and the Chidah says that the din of, he brings a Gemara, and uh, the Gemara says that Talmud Chachem has to be Naikim and Naiter Kenafash. If a person insults a Talmud Chachem, so Talmud Chachem has to, okay, you can't just forgive him and other look at it. Sometimes it's a zeal of Kwaratari too. Where does that apply? Does that mean he has to go and take revenge? So the Rashi explains, no, what it means is, is that he has to kind of feel that the person needs to be punished. Even if I'm not going to go and be the person to carry out that punishment, I feel that what the person did was wrong, it was an insult to Predator, and he deserves the punishment. And uh, therefore, even though, even for a time of to go and take revenge is not the right thing to do, to take the law into his own hands is not the right thing to do, but, it's, but normally, Baruch is, a person should forgive and forget and not bear a grudge. Which means he holds on to a little time then, and uh, the person deserves the punishment, one day he'll get his punishment. So even if I'm not going to be one to carry it out, but Lamaisa, I wouldn't be against him being punished because Baatim is deserved. So what you're going to see is later on, when Shal is accepted by the whole of Kaisra, so then they say, who are these people who dared uh, defy Shal at the beginning? Let's punish them now. And Shal stops them. Uh, Shal stops them, so to speak, acting on his behalf. And the Chidot that was a mistake. Not that he was meant to do something himself, but at least if others wanted it to protect his honor, he wasn't required to prevent him protecting his honor. There's something right about that. And if that's the case, so then he shouldn't have stopped it. And that's why the Bible says, It was like someone who was, was, like someone who was quiet. Which means the time on him wasn't that he was quiet now. The time on him was that later on, if, uh, when others wanted to, so to speak, avenge Poet Shemaim, then he, he, and he intervened to stop them, like trying to quiet them down, they shouldn't have done. And this, uh, that was the three reasons what was considered a mistake on Charles' part, that he didn't do anything to, so to speak, to uphold the honor of the position he was just given. Is the lotion of Mahrish meaning that he was doing the verb of causing other people to be quiet? That's mahrish, what he just said, right? right? He was Mahrish other people. He was Mahrish other people. Right, not just he came quiet himself. Right, he can himself would be by Or by No, not Why are we fine by Yes, it's Right, but here it's It's like he came so quiet. I'm saying also on the mem. The mem is causing other people. It's That could be a good guy It's a strange opinion of a verb. Because the question, the. As Rashi says in the Pasukos of that, the noun is chayresh. But the, when we put the noun into a verb, it takes a mem as well. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes. Even, even, even when it's like self-assessment. That's correct. We have two interesting <coughs> points to talk about. The first point is, there's a principle which Abhishek tells us. And he says an interesting thing. He says, if, let's say, he had a different nuskhas, exactly the, the example he used, but the principle was that if somebody on a certain high level is mazazel in something, so then people on a much lower level will be mazazel even more. It's like it has, a, it has a ripple effect that somebody who's on a more on a level where they're meant to respect something, this shows this respect, so it goes down the ranks and it'll become more disrespectful later. And the Nusakh he said, again, it's a different uh, way it's been passed down. If a Yid in Vilna or Yid in Kovna or Yid in wherever it's going to be, someone which was meant to be a citadel of Torah um, is makel on some small halakha, a Jain Paris will have a but the basic idea was that if people on a high level are mazazel in something, it's going to have a ripple effect which is going to cause more of the zilzal down the line. And uh, we see it by everything. That if, if it's when somebody who should be in the, like, so the ones from, like, holding of something more stark, are they the ones who, so, so to speak, don't show respect? So you may have caused people lower down to respect it less. For example, and this is something we see the whole time. A lack of Qayda Torah by us translates into a bigger lack of Qayda Torah by the non from and even bigger lack of Qayda Torah by the God. In other words, if we would respect the Torah right, then they'd have a certain grudging respect for it also. But if we are respecting the Torah, then by them it's after Abdelzul, and by the God it's anti-Semitism. It just as it goes down the line, it gets worse. And therefore, what's the explanation for that in, in Ruchnias? So there's a, Michelle himself gave more than one, like Mahalachat to explain why it's like that. But uh, one, of the, one of the points he said is that COVID is something which is passed down. So for example, if you see a king, and you see the people around the king, and they respect him tremendously, so that it gives a feeling for people even further away, uh, respect to the king. Whereas if you see the king and his own guards are like, like children and smoking cigarettes and not caring about it, then the people on the outside will care even less. It has the same effect going down the line. So the same thing over here. If the people who mentally have something, they have a certain... Uh, you, you feel on them the cover for what they're doing, so then people further away sense that cover. And we said this lots of times. The Goyim who saw the Avedis Beis HaMikdash were overcome by the cover of the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Because the people working in the Beis HaMikdash had the embassy of the Yeris Hashem. And he made it because by, by them it was such a strong cover. So then people who were more distant and witnessed that they felt covered too. Whereas if the Kainim would be Mazazel and Avayda, so then of course, if they be Mazazel, the people from looking at them, this is the Avayda Hashem, this is, this is a joke. So they'll be Mazazel even more. And that's the same thing over here. What you're going to see is because the people in Kainishra were Mazazel and Shal, so when the word spread as it did, when the Jews have appointed a king, so how did the nations around them react to the new king of the Jews? So they took the cue from the Jews. Yeah, how do you if you say, oh, we're the king, so okay, so it has a certain atmosphere of covet. But if the Jews themselves are with the king, so then the Goyim who are a step more removed, or even consider themselves like enemies, are going to with the king even less, and they're going to be Arab Mazal's moment. And that's what happened next. That because the, the king, even themselves, were Mazal's moment, the king, so then the Goyim, specifically, we're going to talk about Nachash, the king of Ammon, which was a name of Tayyishrat, so then Adrava, he went, he, he even, he, we went to see, he even came to show how much, he, how little he cared about Shal. 
In other words, there's no reason to fight Klai Yisrael and to launch a campaign. The whole point of it, like we went to see, was to show disdain for Kishon. You chose a king for yourself, I'll show you what I think of your king. I'll invade your territory. You see, your king can't do anything. And in a way, that was triggered by Klai Yisrael's response. That, that, that's just the follow-on from how it begins. <coughs> It was a minority of people, but it had an effect. In other words, that was the 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 the, the shmur that there was. was what was the what was the mahamrach like? You know, had a clash with that king. So yeah, there was. He said, yeah, he's not a king. It wasn't an outright expression of neighbors respecting the king. And sometimes those guys make a lot louder noise than the, yeah, than the majority. 100% could be the minority who are more, more vocal. Than, right, right, 100%. It's true. And it's always like that. Like I said, when it comes to Torah also, the more we mechavit the Torah, the more other people are mechavit us will be mechavit the Torah. And it's a Mishnah. As long as you don't just read it in the Israeli newspapers, when you see that that happens, it's a Mishnah. It says, Karam mechavit is a Torah. It's mechavit on a priest. If they see people, the people learning Torah mechavit the Torah, so then it becomes something which is a chosh of a thing, something which is greater. But if the people learning Torah mazalzal in the Torah, so then of course people on the other side have to even more. So it's the same progress we see here too. And therefore, by Yaa Nachash Amonim, the beginning of Perakid Aleph, the king of Nachash arrives, he's the king of Ammon, he's the neighbor of Klai Yisrael, by Yichan al-Yavish Gedad. He camped against Yavish Gedad. And why the, now, firstly, it was the nearest place to him. Yavish Gedad was part of the Ever Yarden. It was one of the cities on the west, on the east bank of the Jordan, and that's where Amoin was. So, if, if, just in geographically, if Nachash was looking for the nearest Jewish city to attack, then it would be Gedad. But there's another reason for this too. And that is, if you remember from the end of Shaftim, when the Klaishra all gathered to make a campaign against Shevet Binyamin, the one place who didn't come would be Yavish Gedad. So, Klaishra decided they didn't join the campaign of all the Shvatim. So, two things. Number one, well, that's great, because we all made a shvur that none of us are going to give our daughters to Binyamin, and the uh, people of Yavish Gedad weren't part of the shvur, so they can give their daughters to Binyamin. Number two, it's a chutzpah that didn't join the, 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 the convocation of Klai Yisrael who came to make a campaign against Binyamin. We're going to kill all the men of Yavish Gedad. So what happened next? They went and they killed all the men of Yavish Gedad, and they took all the girls to marry to Shevet Binyamin. Now, let's think a second. What's the din of Yerush in the Torah? What happened to all the prophets of Yavish Gedad? Since you've killed all the men, the daughters will be Yerush. So then, a lot of people from Binyamin moved to Yavish Gedad. Even if it wasn't officially Binyamin's territory, but Lemaise, since they were now the, so to speak, the living relatives of the inhabitants of Yavish Gedad, so we made it, they moved to their wives' uh, no, fields or farms or homesteads in Yavish Gedad. And if we're going to see there's a lot of connection between Shalos from Binyamin and Yavish Gedad, they were his relatives. <coughs> And that's what Nachash wanted to do. You know, the, if you're going to say that I don't care about your king, you know, then these are his, this is his family. So he, he went to Marsha and said, you know, that, you know, I'm, I'm going to take, attack, attack your king's family. Like, what's he going to do about it? And you see, once again, the people of Yavish Gedad didn't say, ah, it's okay, we've got a king, we're going to defend ourselves. No. This is like, make us a covenant, we'll serve you. In other words, they were, they were willing to surrender on the spot. But they were Shaul's family. They were Shaul's family. Why would they not? And you see, that they didn't consider Shaul enough of a man to go to his, war. His own family. His own, yeah. That they said to, you, they said to Nachash, yeah, we'll, we'll surrender without a fact. Just tell us what you want from us. So what, was, what did he say to them? 
You want me to make a covenant with you not to attack you? I'll tell you what. If I'm going to attack out everybody's right eye, and then you'll be an embarrassment for the rest of Kla Yisrael. A whole city of one-eyed people. What did he want from them? What is that they're taking out their right eye? The name of the Shevet was Binyamin. The son of the Yamin. So he said, I'm going to take out your right eye to show how much I care about Binyamin. And that was then to be like a sign of Zilzul, Kherpun, Chol Yisrael, which is what Nachash wanted to do. He was trying to show that his disdain for Shaul as a king, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to attack Shaul's family, Shevet Binyamin. Uh, the family of the Yamin will all take out all their right eyes, and they'll be the embarrassment for Kla Yisrael. That's what he wanted. Uh, there's a Chazal also. That's the chat. The Chazal say that an Ayn Yamin refers to the Torah. That was, what's the most important thing for us, like what, what this Hashem says about Israel, we, we, that Hashem regards us like Isham Bas Ayn, like the people of his eyes. The same thing, what Nachash said to them was, I want to, I want to take the Sefer Torah away from you. And what does Nachash's problem with the Sefer Torah? We know. The Torah says that an Ammoni can't join the Jewish people. And therefore he said, I want to, you know, your Sefer Torah writes against Ammon, my people. I want to. I want to destroy the Zephyr Now, what did they, what, what did uh, Anshay Yavish Gilad respond to such a, to such a, a threat? So the, 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 the elders of Yavish Gilad say to Nachash, wait for us to give us seven days. Let us send messages to all of Israel. If no one's there to save us, then we'll come out and make peace. Now, if you think about it, why in the world would a Gosh can agree to that? He now is in a position where he can attack them, and they're willing to make peace. And they say to him, give us seven days, maybe someone will come and help us fight. And if no one comes to help us, okay, so then, we, then we'll make peace with you. And he agrees. He agrees. Why would he agree to that? It's only because he was so sure no one's going to come. He was so sure no one's going to come. If he really thought that this big Jewish army is going to come and attack him. And of course I want to come. And now I have the advantage. I'll press my advantage. But Nachash, the Shittasa, was so sure nothing is going to happen. Because if you want seven days, we'll give you seven days. And not only that, it would be a bigger cherpa. He said it's going to be a disgrace to Klai Yisrael that I'm going to take out the eyes of all the people of Yavish Gerod. It would be an even bigger disgrace. It wasn't something that said, oh, we never knew about it. What would we do? Yeah, go tell them. Go and go, go pass to everyone I'm going to do. You'll see you can't, nothing will happen. It would be an even bigger disgrace that Kilo. Even if Christ were all knew about it, uh, no one did anything to stop it. And that was, uh, this was pushed at the result of the first thing. It, the Zilz and the Shal just got to a new height. Uh, it wasn't just a Zilz from within, it became a Zilz from without as well. So that's the first part of the story. Tomorrow we'll go back and see what happens with, uh, with Nachash. <laughs>